Monday, November 27th. Having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real-life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. Harry, I want to take you to an article out of Christianity Today. Let me give you a quote. It was surprising to us that a book this influential didn't have a major museum focused on it, says Steve Green, Hobby Lobby president and the Museum of Bible founder. Tom, they have just spent, wow, $500 million to make a museum that depicts and presents the facts, the history, and the features concerning the Bible. Of course, the Bible, that which we believe, is the Word of God. It doesn't become the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And so the history of the Bible certainly is appropriate. I want to speak an affirming word about this project, Tom, with one caveat. But I also want to make a little bit of a counter statement concerning this initiative. First of all, I understand it's really well done. Technologically, factually, historicity, an amazing project. This is my caveat. I haven't experienced it. I haven't looked at it. So I cannot, without some reservation, verify it. And the reservation is, I just don't know. I haven't been there. For instance, I remember everybody telling me, this movie on Noah is coming out, and you need to promote it in the church. Well, thankfully, I had enough sense not to promote it till I saw it. Once I saw it, I said, are you kidding me? Promote it? If I could get a match, I'd probably burn the thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not going to promote it. But given the reputation of Mr. Green and given the names of the people that I saw that were involved in this project, my sense is it's probably well done. Now, it is carefully done, and I quote one of them, we're not trying to cram religion down people's throat. I'm so grateful that Jesus crammed religion down into my heart because my heart wasn't going in that direction, and the way he crammed it into my heart was he first gave me a new heart that wanted it. I understand what they're saying. They're trying to make a factual presentation about the Bible and then let it speak for itself. I'm all for that. Here's the problem with that, though. So if I'm going to go ahead and get to my issue here. The Bible can and does speak clearly in terms of what it says, but the Bible was made to be preached and taught. The Bible, in a sense, doesn't speak for itself. Remember, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53, the clearest text in the Old Testament about Jesus. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I, unless someone explain it? Faith comes by hearing, not reading, hearing the Word of God. It is through the foolishness of the message, Bible, preached that we are being saved, the Bible message of the gospel that we are being saved. So there's my caveat. Having said that, that doesn't mean something like this museum cannot be inspirational, instructional, helpful, and by the way, a great tool that you can use to talk with people when you take them there or take groups there and go through it, given its factuality, its historicity, and its accuracy. So having said that, just stop and think about some of the facts, Tom. The Bible was put together over 1,600 
hundred years by 40 plus human authors and claims to have one author who worked through all the authors and those authors claimed the same thing, which is why they kept saying, not thus saith Isaiah, but thus saith the Lord or Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me. And so how did that happen? What were the dynamics of it? And in God's special providence, how was the Bible preserved so that we have a manuscript of the Bible with none of the original autographs, none of the original pieces, yet through the multiplication of all the texts that we have, and you begin to do textual criticism, you easily arrive at a accurate rendition of the Word of God. Everything has been so documented by God's special act of providence as to how He has preserved this message that declares the glory of the triune God through the preeminence of Christ, the God who made us, who saves us, and who sustains us. Harry, there are places in the scriptures where both apostles and angels were worshipped as they did the work of the Lord. Is there any fear that we could begin to idolize the Bible? Tom, that's a great question. It really is. You're right. People are going to worship. People say, well, you know, people need to start worshiping. Oh, they do. Just go watch a football game. We have a relentless capacity and compulsion to worship. And the question is not, are we going to worship? The question is, will we worship the one who alone should be worshiped? And will we worship him rightly? Those are the two salient questions. And you are right. Two times in the book of Revelation, John is so overwhelmed and compelled to worship, he falls down and starts worshiping an angel. And the angel both times says, don't do that. Worship God. They tried to worship Peter and they tried to worship Paul and they said, don't do that. False worship is idolatry, idolatria. That is false objects with worship. Latria means worship. And one of the things that we can become is bibliolaters. The Bible isn't there for us to worship. The Word of God is there to reveal the God of the Word. The Word of God reveals to us what you could never know from God's general revelation in creation, but you need to know to worship Him, and what you need to know to be saved by Him, and what you need to know in order to serve Him. All Scripture is God-breathed, is inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. The Bible is God's inerrant and sufficient message to us as to who He is how I can be right with him, and how I can serve him and be equipped for every good work. Tom, the Bible is truth. Jesus said this, thy word is truth. So everything in the Bible is true. Now, not all truth is in the Bible. There are facts of truth that we observe from general revelation, God's creation, that are not in the Bible, but they're true, and the Bible will give us a framework in which we can affirm their truthfulness. All truth is not in the Bible, but all that is in the Bible is true, and that which is in the Bible is what is necessary for us to be able to affirm truth where the direction of truth leads us, which is the glory of God, by the grace of God, to be saved by God, through the Son of God, by the power of the Spirit of God. And that's what the Word of God gives to us. 
So what I hear you saying that people could misuse this new museum on the Bible if they so choose. Well, yeah, let me say this. The museum has been designed to put the facts out about the history and the features of the Bible, and I'm glad for that. But you can't stop there. Otherwise, you would be drawn to the adoration of the book. And we, we are people of the book, but we are people of the book that we might be the people of God. I think this is a great instrument. I tell people, you know, you need to get a Bible. And by the way, don't just get a Bible and put it on your coffee table and think it's going to give out some vibrations and make your home sacred or something. No, get the Bible and then go to step two. Read it. Then make sure that step three is always prevalent. And that is hear it. Hear it faithfully preached because when the preaching of it, Jesus himself begins to speak. And then what? Obey it. Don't obey it thinking that your obedience will save you. Obey it because you love your Savior who saves you. Don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word so that we become those who, again, are people of the book and the word of God takes us to the God of the word as our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, and the Lord of glory is our life. And thank you, O God, for giving us this word of God. We wouldn't worship it, but we would use it as you intended for us to worship you. The Museum of the Bible opened on November the 17th. It's situated just three blocks from the U.S. Capitol and two blocks from the National Mall, and it is free. As we close out, let me remind you to download the Briarwood app. It's the best way to stay in touch with Harry Reader and Today in Perspective. It's free of charge. Simply go to your favorite app store, type in Briarwood PCA. You'll have access to audio, video, and written resources, including Today in Perspective and including our five-minute daily devotional entitled Fresh Bread. Five minutes each day in the Scriptures with Harry, a great way to start or finish out your day. Well, thanks for being with us today. Do stop by again tomorrow, Tuesday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective.